Death was once my great opponent. Fear once had a hold on me. But the son who died to save us rose that we would be free indeed. Free from every plan of darkness. Free to live and free to love. Death is dead and Christ is risen. It was finished upon that cross. Onward to eternal glory, to my Saviour and my God. I rejoice in Jesus' victory, tetelestai. It was finished upon that cross. He has risen. That's my text for this morning from Mark 16. The words of the angel to the women, he has risen. Now it is the pivotal, central truth of Christianity. Jesus Christ, physically resurrected from the dead, never to die again, reigning throughout the whole universe, returning one day to judge the living and the dead. If his resurrection is false, then this is the vilest deceit in the whole of history. Because following the ten disciples who gave their lives for a deceit, millions have suffered a martyr's death. And millions and millions and millions have given their lives to a lost cause. If it is false, if there is no resurrection, it is the vilest deceit in the whole of history. But if true, I'm saying since true, It changes everything. Three words, he has risen, that radically change everything. He has risen. Three words, three simple words, pivotal. And those words, when we understand they change everything. Three words in the English, one word in the original Greek. Uh, Greek such a rich language, it takes a verb and adds the subject and adds the tense, past, present and future. <coughs> he has risen as one word, agathe, agathe. It means to, to rise from sleep. You did it this morning, maybe did it in the middle of the night, maybe you woke up a few times, uh, but you did rise this morning, I can see you, here you are, you were asleep. And Agathe, uh, you rose. He has risen. It means to awaken, rouse. This single Greek word is the most significant word ever when applied to Jesus. The apostles in the early church and uh, preachers ought to take note of this because their theme was Jesus and the resurrection. It's so many sermons in a year. I mean, how many preachers hit the mark? They go off up blind alleys and into unnecessary minutiae on things that have got no real consequence. But here's what the apostles went around preaching. And many gave their lives for. They gave their lives proclaiming Jesus died and rose. This is it. Now, 
interesting to, to study maybe areas of church government and what's a deacon and what's, a, what's an elder and uh, should we tithe, shouldn't we tithe, uh, what's the office of this and, and, and that, uh, different views on the second coming, all very interesting, but they don't profit you. But this, Jesus and the resurrection, is all that the apostles preached about in Acts chapter 17. Just for an example, we got Paul in that centre of culture, Athens, and he's in the marketplaces, and then he goes to Mars Hill, and he's preaching in the open air, and uh, he's preaching about Jesus and the resurrection, and that uh, the other philosophers come around and about him. And uh, we have this, Acts 17 and verse 18. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So much was he repeating Jesus and the resurrection that they thought he was talking about a twin deity, one called Jesus and one called the resurrection. And uh, in the original Greek, resurrection is Anastasia. Children, have you heard of Anastasia? There's a, a film, isn't there? A Disney film, An Anastasia. But Anastasia means resurrection. Uh, it means to stand up again. Um, my family were reminiscing this morning on the family WhatsApp group that my dad, who was uh, born in Athens, Greek, Greek speaking, every Easter would come into the lounge where we're gathered and he would say, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Anesti, risen. Anastasia, Resurrection. So here's Paul on Mars Hill preaching Jesus and Anastasia. Oh, this must be two foreign divinities. No, no. It's Jesus and what happened to him. He stood up again. Anastasia, resurrection. He stood up again. That's the literal translation of the words. Let's go through this then. <clears throat> he has risen. Who is he? Who is he? Verse 6 here in chapter 16 of Mark. And he, the angel, said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him you seek interesting this now follow me here you seek Jesus of Nazareth the angel uses that remarkable title that was used by the people in Christ's time who looked at him and they used this title Jesus of Nazareth as a derogatory term they used it to belittle him. Uh, when uh, Philip told Nathaniel uh, about, uh, about uh, Jesus, uh, we, we found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Na Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jerusalem, the headquarters, all the religious people, and uh, down south, that was the place to be, but up north, Nazareth. Nazareth, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? 
when uh, Nicodemus tries to say a word for, for Jesus. The other Sanhedrin members say, look, see for yourself, no prophet will ever come from Galilee, the region around Nazareth, up north. It's a place of dereliction. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And yet here the angel takes up that term. You're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was derided, the one who was rejected, the one who was forsaken, the one who was counted as nothing. Listen now, he's pleased to retain the title. He is gentle and lowly. He is meek still. For you and for I, that's a great wonder. Although risen and exalted and governing the whole universe, he will judge the living and the dead. Yet to you and I, he's happy to be known as Jesus of Nazareth. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think this is an amazing thing. The angel is allowed still to call him Jesus of Nazareth. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Who is it that's been raised again? Who was crucified? Dead. Dead. Women, you were there. Mary, you, you were there at the cross. The men, they fled away. Well, John remained and uh, Jesus said to him, please take my mother home and take care of her settling his earthly affairs before he cries, it is finished on that cross. You were there, who was crucified, dead. You saw it, you were there. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. The, the one you loved, the one who you followed. And, and I, I know what you want to do with me. Your, your desire is to anoint his dead body. How kind, how brave, how brave. Where are the men? But here's a group of women with a plan. We need to anoint his body. We need to do right by his body. He's dead. Our hope that he was the Messiah is dead with him. But we love him. We want to do right by his body. So they come to anoint his dead body. How kind, how brave. But the angel is a bit of a rebuke here. You're very wrong. You're very wrong. Remember what he said. Remember what he said. Here it is, verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you it's not as if he didn't tell you he would rise from the dead uh, he'd said it many times little, little interesting flow of chapters in mark 8 9 and 10 and it's all around verse 31 32 and 33 in chapter 8 chapter 9 chapter 10 it's been wonderfully arranged for us an aid memoir on each of these occasions chapter 8 chapter 9 chapter 10 Starting around about verse 31, Jesus speaks about his resurrection. And many would have heard it. 8.31, and he began to teach them 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said this plainly. Don't you remember, says the angel, just what he told you, just what he told you. A little later, we come to chapter 9. And again, it's verse 31. Very helpful for us. Remember these chapters 8, 9, and 10, starting around verse 31. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, work it out. Don't you remember? Ladies, don't you remember? After three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Never be afraid to ask about things you don't understand. You know, maybe at school, remember those times when you didn't ask the teacher because really you think you ought to have known this by now, so you carry on in ignorance about an issue. Always ask, always ask, and I'm sure others have got the same questions that you have as well, but they were afraid to ask. Chapter 10 now, verse 32, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid, and taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, see, We are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him and after three days he will rise. Don't you remember? You've come to anoint the dead. But don't you remember? He said and he's going ahead of you to go and tell the disciples and Peter. He, Jesus of Nazareth, who was dead, he, him, he has, let's move on to this then, risen, risen. Uh, a he has risen. All melted into one Greek word, inseparable. He, Jesus, the Nazarene, has risen, risen, risen. Literally, it means uh, woken from asleep. And wonderfully, the Christian is described as one, when he dies, we fall asleep in Christ because it is not death to die for the Christian. Many facing difficult illnesses, and we all come to the... See, every one of us here is going to die But for the Christian, we don't die. Christ has banished death. Death is dead. He rose. We will rise. When we breathe our last, we fall asleep and enter into the presence of the Lord. Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross. He died. He's put in the tomb, but Agathe, he awoke. And Anastasia, resurrection, Anasti, he rose. He stood up again. 
When I woke up this morning, it took me a while to stand up, but eventually, here I am, stood up again. Jesus' resurrection is so far unique. Others rose to die again. Lazarus rose, Agathe, but he died again. But Jesus is unique. The widow of Nain's son rose, but only to die again. I was mentioning on Good Friday, this verse I'd like to preach on one Easter. Um, Where's it gone? Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, Agathe, Anastasia, were raised again and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many well what a shock that would have been I thought you were dead I was but I'm alive for a while again I'm alive but they would have died again and had to be buried again and another funeral service taking place for them as it took place for Lazarus and the widow of Nain and those who uh, rose when uh, Christ died on Calvary, they died again, but Jesus' resurrection is utterly unique. Revelation, he declares for himself what this means. Revelation 1 and verse 17. John says, When I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore. The Bible calls Jesus' resurrection in this way. He is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn of many brethren. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 uses an interesting Greek word. Uh, He's the firstborn, the prototokos. And from that we get prototype, the first of a type. Here's Jesus. He's gone before. He's the trailblazer. He's the prototype. What's happened to him will happen to everybody who believes and trusts in him. Agathe, he is risen. Well, there it is. Three English words, one Greek word. Let's make a little progress and think about why it was that he did rise from the dead. Well, his resurrection was inevitable. Inevitable. Firstly, because he said it, therefore it was going to be done. He also said he would return. That is, my friends, inevitable. He also said, if you repent and trust in him, you will be forgiven. It is inevitable. Have you done that? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing flood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Inevitable. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. Therefore, it is inevitable. The word of God is irrevocable. Once God has said something, it is sure and certain. Psalm 16 
couldn't have been David speaking of himself. Peter preaches on this text at Pentecost, you will not let your Holy One see decay. A body goes into a tomb, it begins to decay. Not Jesus. The Father would not allow the body of the Holy One to decay. And up from the grave, he arose. It was inevitable, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he said he would rise. The Old Testament said he would rise. Inevitable for this reason. Death hangs on to sinners. The wages of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. But Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, never sinned. And yet he dies. But he never sinned. His life was utterly pure, righteous and good. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Lamb of God. His enemies, he challenged the Jews at one point. Who of you can prove me guilty of sin? Imagine if I said that. Well, you'd have a story or two to tell uh, about me. His friends said there's no fault with, with him. There was not a wrong word on his lips. If I can fool my enemies, I certainly can't fool my closest friends and not my family. If I said I was perfect, maybe I, if you don't know me very well, I might get away with such a statement. But you ask my wife, and she would tell you a thing or two about me. Well, Jesus did not sin. His enemies could pin nothing on him. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. His friends, there's no sin in him. His father opens up heaven. This is my son with him. I am well pleased. Now, what would he say about you in your natural state and condition? But he did die. He did die. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And he did die. Why did he die? Oh, so many hymns we could have sung on Good Friday and, and today. All ye who pass by to Jesus draw nigh. Don't pass by. Stop. Come a little closer. He dies to atone for sin not his own. We thought about this on Friday. His death, don't mind repeating this, was, here's a big English word, his death was vicarious, from which we get the word vicar. And vicarious means to stand in the place of somebody else. That's why I'm not a vicar. I'm a, a minister of the gospel. I'm a servant I can't stand in your place. You stand alone before God. There's only one who can represent us, and that is Jesus. He is the vicar. He is the great high priest. And on Calvary, he dies vicariously for sins not his own, for yours. Mark 10, 45, he gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life as a ransom. Tetelestai paid, accounts settled, your ransom fee is paid. His death is my plea, my advocate see. And here the blood plead that has answered for me. Dies vicariously. Peter says, oh, let me tell you what happened on Calvary. Christ died for sin. 
But he was pure. Yes, he was. The just on behalf of. The unjust. Why? To bring you to God. And that's the object. That's the object. Christianity is not religious, dead religion. Do this, do that, line upon line. It is a reality. And my friends, if you are saved, never lose sight of the reality. Don't degenerate into dead religion, keeping mere lines and uh, rules and looking to a, a statement and looking to a creed. Look to Jesus Christ. Keep your eye focused on him. The apostles preached the one we should look to, Jesus and the resurrection. Isaiah saw it before it ever happened. Inspired by the Spirit, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our vicarious iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace was on him. By his stripes, we are healed. He's the vicar. The only one. Vicarious. But he did die. He did die. He was crucified, dead and buried. But death receiving its latest victim on that first Good Friday had a problem. Now, there are certain men who I've known in my Christian life who've stood out and made an impression uh, on me. One was a man who helped this particular church at the time of the last interregnum. And uh, it was a bit of a thankless task to be a moderator during an interregnum. It's not an easy task. There are often difficulties going, going on. Who's the next pastor going to be? So pray very much about this upcoming interregnum. Pray even there won't be one. There'll be somebody coming in even maybe next week to run alongside for a while and then uh, be the next pastor. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Impossible, you might think. There's so much. We... But what about God? Don't leave God out of the equation. He can do what is seemingly impossible. Well, you can have somebody here next week. Why not? He brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. Why does it need to be such a complex series of meetings? Not anyway, let's not digress. It's not in my notes, you might have guessed. But the man who stood here last time and helped the church out in the last interregnum, and I think it was were we 18 months, were we, between you retiring, Russ, and me coming? Two years, 18 months or, or, or so. Uh, but Derek Swan. Derek Swan. His children say of him, and Philip is a minister in Llanethley, and Howell worships at the Heat Evangelical Church, and uh, occasionally we'll see he, uh, Howell and his wife here, maybe a couple of times a year, they pop in to say uh, hello, but um, they, those, those boys would say about their dad, now get this, we never heard him raise his voice. I find that incredible. Uh, you know, children, can you say that about me? Certainly not. No, I, I think grace has modified my fiery temper. I think there are bigger things to, to look at and keep gazing at at Christ. Because he's gentle and, and lowly, and Derek Swan was a very godly man. But anyway, he wrote this in the Evangelical Magazine of Wales in the year 2000 about the inevitability of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus breathed his last on Calvary, death took him into custody, as it does all of us. You can imagine death 
calling for the book of Jesus' life to be brought in for inspection. Page after page would be turned. But not one sin could be found anywhere on any of the pages. Only the last page remains. And when that is turned, like the others, it is spotless. Death turns pale. And motioning to those around says, Let him go. His life is sinless. We have no grounds for holding him. The resurrection was inevitable. The resurrection was inevitable. Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. I'm almost breaking into song. My wife watching in Midwells will be glad I haven't done. Hey, there's grace again. A little bit of restraint coming into the, the pulpit. Finally, finally, the significance of the resurrection. Agathe, he has risen. Number one, he is who he claimed to be. Anyone can go around saying they are the son of God. Uh, David Icke claimed that back in the 1990s. Once a very respectable commentator on sports events and uh, went completely, well, we're going out live. Anyway, he claimed to be the son of God. Is it, is it true? Now, Jesus claimed to be the son uh, of God. Uh, how do we know he really was who he claimed to be? Well, Agathe, he has risen. He's alive forevermore. Romans 1 and verse 4. He, he's demonstrated to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. Power to do what? Forgive sins. Secondly, his resurrection proves that his work actually works. His blood can wash the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. His death vicarious Standing in my place, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Is it all true? Yes, it's true. His resurrection proves his work is sufficient. His work works. Would you be free from your burden of sin? It is a burden, isn't it? It is a burden. Don't turn to religion, don't turn to philosophy or politics or education or relationships. Not there's anything intrinsically wrong with those things, but they won't get rid of your sin. There is power. Power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Wesley put it this way. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Has it availed for you? Don't delay. Don't delay. You need to repent. Repent isn't being sorry for what you've done primarily. It's not the issue. It's what you are. That's the issue. We do wrong things because we are wrong. The fundamental default position is self, and I turn from self, and I turn to Christ. It's a turning around, metanoia, have another thing, turn around, turn from sin and self, turn to Christ, the Saviour, of the world. Embrace him and never let him go. Never let him go. Don't be deflected. The devil will try and deflect you, distract you, disillusion you, disappoint you. 
Keep looking to Jesus. So, the significance. He's who he claimed to be. His work works. Thirdly, finally, his resurrection proves that we will rise too. Right? There's my certainty. There's my sure hope. There's my grounds. I will rise. And this world that is very temporary is preparing me for an eternal weight of glory. I will be like him. I will be like him. There will be a final resurrection. When the Christian dies, the body into the ground, the soul goes to be with Christ, and that's far better. Quite what that will be like is very strange. The essence of me being there but not having a body, but it will be blissful. But there's a day set when Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. Then there's that general resurrection. Every one of the billions who's ever lived will be gathered and stand before Christ. And again, Paul preaching at the Areopagus in Athens at 17 and verse 31. Let's pick up what he's saying. Because he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ serves notice. A judgment is coming, and we too will Rise. The Old Testament speaks about this great general resurrection. Daniel 12 and verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. Mark, sorry, John chapter 5, my last reference, I think, yes, last reference. Jesus himself speaking. Mark chapter 5 and verse 28. That's chapter 4, chapter 5. Do not marvel at this, says Jesus, for an hour is coming. It hasn't come yet, but it's an hour closer now than when we first started this service, or 55 minutes actually. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who had done good to the resurrection of life and those who had done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Eternal bliss, eternal horror. Let me conclude with this. Which will it be for you? Trust him. Trust him now. He is who he claimed to be. He divided time in two. It's 2021 because of these events. There's a, an aid memoir every time you write the dates. How can we forget? Trust him. Repent and trust him. Do it now, not tomorrow. The devil will say tomorrow. Manana, manana, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. The gospel says now. God says now. Trust him. Now you're not guaranteed the next hour. Who knows what's going to happen on your way home? And if you have trusted him with all my heart, stay close. My friends, it's wild out there. Don't go back out there. It's wild out there. Oh, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I stand in him.
Stay close. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. Agathe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a brief time in your word. These marvellous, marvellous truths. We thank you for that one simple Greek word that gives such significance. Agathe, he has risen. Pray for any listening now who are not yet saved. Help them to trust the Saviour. Repent and trust him. For we who have trusted, help us to stay close, never to wander from the cross. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Amen.